Well, thank you for agreeing to do this. Today <laughs> on the Humanology episode, we're going to speak with a funeral director. And I'm going to preface this episode by saying that um, this conversation we're going to have is super candid and it's going to be someone that's anonymous. He's going to remain anonymous, and if he wants to tell us where he uh, is from, that's fine, but I kind of want him to leave his name out of it. And also, if you're kind of sensitive to some of the topics that we're going to speak about, like death and dying, um, this might not be an episode for you to listen to, because I think the episode that we're going to record is going to be a little humorous and lighthearted, and we're just going to talk about the funeral industry a little more candidly than you would normally hear us or someone talking about the funeral industry. So that's what I'm going to say to preface this episode. So thank you again for wanting to participate in this. Of course, I, as someone who didn't used to like to talk about himself, I kind of love talking about myself. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay, cool. So um, I'm going to just ask you a bunch of questions and I have to be honest. So I, I kind of gave you the questions in advance and I just like to do that. But I have a couple mm -hmm. that I'd like to add to it because you said you wouldn't mind to have a little um, spontaneity in the interview. Absolutely. So... Let's talk about, first of all, the language we're going to use. So is funeral director the correct language? Funeral director is the, the correct term for anyone who works in my field. It has kind of, back in the day, it was split up from undertaker to embalmer to funeral director. Now it's a lot more inclusive to just say funeral director. They are okay. separate licenses, but that's an old timey thing that's sort of grandfathered into today. But funeral director is the most incapacitant term there is so what about mortician what is that mortician kind of falls along the wayside of funeral parlor you know okay, okay. The, the, the way the industry trends we try to uh i'm gonna blank out on the exact word i'm trying to say here but you know we don't say death anymore we say passed away we try to oh. soften we try to soften everything so mortician sounds so uh for lack of a better word morbid so yes. funeral director, and then probably in 20 years, we're going to be be called funeral planners. Like little oh. by little. It's, yeah, yeah. So that's where I, at one point, a mortician was someone who directly dealed with the dead. And it's probably a term more closely used with a medical examiner's office, which could also be a coroner's office. But mortician, funeral director, embalmer, you know. It's the same way uh, you would say a male, a human, a homo sapien, whatever. Sure. You know. Mm -hmm. So, um, while we're speaking about language used, what is some other? What are some other terms? Like you had mentioned, cremated remains instead of ashes. Okay, so other terms. Um, you know, uh, we have embalming, which is the most direct way to say it, but we could say preparation, um, like uh, uh, removal, which is a removal is taking someone from their place of death to the funeral home. Uh, you could say transfer. Uh, I forget what other terms for that are. Um, the hearse, as yes. I've always known it, can also be called a coach. Um, oh. try to, visitation could be calling hours, awake. Uh, that something stuff like everything I'm saying here is really probably mostly dependent on where you live. Yeah. In in America, outside of America, I couldn't tell you, but they're all the same euphemisms. That's the word I'm looking for. Okay. 
So thank you for clearing that up. My kind of morbid, my question is, why would you want to do this kind of job? What would make you do that? I mean, of course, that people ask me about why I'm a social worker and why I'd like to do that. And I, I think it's an honor to be a social worker and people let me in their lives. Do you kind of feel that way? Or what was the reason why you wanted to become a funeral director? I... My, my my coming to this is not maybe as profound as other people's, although we are in a day and age where the idea of it being in your family is far gone. You know, family uh, the family funeral homes are being bought out by corporate, so you get less and less away from family lineage. Back, and it's funny, back when I started, uh, we are now 14 years ago, everyone always asked me, is your family in it? I've yet to meet anyone whose family was in it. It's always, you know, passed from generations. How I got into it, uh, it's it, the story is not directly connected, but it, it is somewhat connected. My mother died when I was young. I, I was 14, and as sort of a defense mechanism, I just took interest in the funeral. Instead of okay. kind of sitting in the room where everyone was and, you know, doing the visitation, I would kind of, I was sitting in the back just talking to the funeral director like, hey, how does, you know, when are we doing this? How does this, asking him, how did you get into this? Um, and it was just sort of defense mechanism just to sort of take my mind away from what was actually going on. Yeah. A few you know, years later, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, no, I don't want to interrupt you because that's fascinating. I mean, the interesting thing about that with behavioral health is <clears throat> I think there was a study done that they say the music and the songs and the activities and the things you're exposed to from the age of 12 to 14, like change, change the way you think. They, they are the, the music that we can't stop singing and the lyrics that we'll <laughs> never forget. So that might have kind of seared that into your brain of that kind of that pathway that was created of hey that's what you're you're you were so open to that experience and you really like you said you use that as a defense mechanism but you also you were prime and ready to kind of learn something anyway in that time and to your point I always tell people and I'm comfortable enough away from my mother's death to say that I feel like she died at the best time in my life. Meaning I was able to still understand it that, you know, life moves on and it, it's sad. She, she passed away from cancer. Uh, but it didn't, I, I don't know how to say this any better. It didn't wreck me. Yeah, I, I didn't, right. I didn't need loads and loads of help. I kind of just moved on with life, understanding it was awful what happened, but it was a part of life. Uh, well, it I sounds don't know like was, you used you, you put mm -hmm. your energy into the right way. I mean, you learn something and you use that skill to go go forward instead of backwards. I I I guess there's a bunch of different ways to put it. I just feel like it just somehow happened at the best time. I feel like yeah. if I was a little bit older, it may have really affected me, or if I was just a little bit younger. Uh, yeah. Just what you were saying that twelve to fourteen range. She died right at fourteen, and you know. Uh, um, it didn't affect me as much as you would think losing your mother at that age. Right, right. Okay, so this is a spontaneous question. Do you feel like, okay, here I am. I'm sorry. If I'm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stop me if I get annoying and no, I'll try no, not please, to be so please. Do you feel like you work it out a bit, like, you know, while you are dealing with death every day? Do you feel like you kind of deal with that? Where some people might not if they're in accounting or if they go into medicine or something if, different. If I, if I could uh, uh, express your question just so I could answer it better, do you mean like do I 
handle the death with the families I'm working with? So here you are, you know, you're dealing with families in grief and you're doing mm -hmm. the, the things you're doing. You know, you're exposed. It's called exposure therapy. You're literally right. exposed to death. So you are, are you kind of in a sense dealing with that a bit? Like, you know, some people might not have that opportunity to deal with death after the death of their mother. Oh, oh okay. So you're asking in terms of my mother's death. <clears throat> yes. Uh, I have to say, I am so far removed from, I've now, and it's something I've realized recently, I have now lived longer in my life without her than I have with her. Yeah, so yeah. every once in a while, I'll have a family, and it'll just remind me of, let's say, my family back yeah. when I was 14. And it's it's something as quick as it, as it comes into my head is as, as quickly as it leaves. I wish I could say you know, when I help families, I, I always remember where I was as, as, you know, a 14 year old, but it's more so I want to make sure everything goes right for the family more than let's just say my mother ever comes up. Yeah. So to, to answer your question in a, in a, a, a shorter way, not really because I've kind of worked all that out before I even started in the industry, you know? Yeah, you, you sound like a pretty healthy person. That's awesome. I'm not used to dealing with healthy <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so wonderful. I'm so, um, thank you for answering that. That's pretty personal. Of so we're going to get into non-personal things. So so what was the schooling like to go to school? What? How many years and how, how long did it take? So what's funny is when you had asked how did I get into this, there was a second part, but the conversation took us another way. So now we're going to go into the second part of that. Okay. I graduated high school and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I went to a semester to a local college where I was living and I think I ended up, and this is possible in case anyone is wondering, I ended up with a 0 0.7 GPA. And oh. I, I was just messing around, you know, just, yeah. I don't know, you know, I was like, you know, my father smartfully at the time said you got to do something or else you're going to end up, you know, nowhere. Yeah. So, you know, I just said, oh, you know, that, that funeral was kind of cool. That mortuary, let me look up mortuary science. I want to say within two or three days, I was enrolled at a mortuary school. I went wow. in knowing absolutely nothing. My father did it. My, my father did heating and air conditioning. Obviously, my mother had passed. Uh, my Most of my family comes from Guatemala, so it's not like everyone kind of knew about this. As naive as an 18-year-old could be, I just went to school for it. Uh, to get graphic, uh, as, as tastefully as I can get, when you when you sign up for mortuary school, they, they'll, they'll, they'll take you through where we, we do uh, uh, the embalming. You know, as a school, you get to kind of practice hours and lab is essentially what we call it. And there, where you are usually embalming for uh, school, uh, medicine schools that will sort of keep bodies around. You know, when you donate your body to science, sometimes sure. mortuary school students will embalm you to preserve you. Uh, I walked in to our our facility, and you know, the 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 teacher, the the person who signed me up for for the school said, you know. We're going to go in now. I said, okay. I was totally, you know, I was more naive more than anything than I was scared. And we walked in and uh, uh, when, when someone when someone dies and they get autopsied, you, to, to access all the organs and especially the brain, they essentially, what, what it's called a skull cap is they cut your skull open and <laughs> so it's like a skull cap per se. Sure. Um, I walked in. <clears throat> And that skull cap fell on the floor. Someone was working with it and it just fell. 
and I'm just looking at a skull cap on the floor and for about 10 seconds I was what am I doing <laughs> like yeah. what a, this is before I ever sat down for a class or anything and then very quickly I said huh this is interesting not cool yes. interesting yes schooling you learn everything about the human body in relation to embalming and then I imagine at least I think like other fields you know 90% of what you just learned is almost useless. <laughs> I see. You know, yep. you, you now know nothing ever embraces you for a family who is <clears throat> really upset that they have to pay for their loved one to be buried. Yes. You know, nothing will ever prepare you for that. Schooling was is rigorous. The national boards, you know, to take to, to get your license is very tough, tougher than what the field would expect. Meaning if you can make it through school, you should be okay. Um yeah. But I so had how many so, years uh-huh. was it? How many years was the program? I went straight through, meaning you know, uh, three semesters a year, uh, uh, winters, summer, fall. Uh, I did everything in about three years, and I ended up with an associate's and a bachelor's. Wow! So, but, so a, yeah. a guy mm-hmm. that didn't have a great GPA did good in science, mm-hmm. and you, so you learn science as you learn um, math. I mean, what kind of kind of like math business so, i mean what kind of other courses do you take so we took accounting but it was very funeral home oriented we took a chemistry but it was learning all the ba- all the uh formaldehyde index and embalming fluid right. uh we took law like a business law class but all having to deal with funeral law yes. um so basically anything any other college would do just very geared towards funeral service I think it's cool because, you know, the GPA is so, it's such a smack in the face. It's like, it's no, it's not a clear representation of that person. And it's so neat that you were able to graduate with a bachelor's degree and you were, you know, able to apply this, this new knowledge to something you enjoy and you're good at, you know, I mean. Of course, yes. I, I see that with students at the high school where they, you know, they go into, let's say, to be a stylist, you know, for hair, mm-hmm, but they don't mm-hmm. realize that it's so much science. There's science in that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so that's cool that you you embrace that. Did you see some people, like in grad school, we had a cohort we started with. Let's say we started with 30. I swear we only, I think 18 of us graduated. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's so funny you say that the first day of school, we were a class of 45, I want to say. And I don't even, I think by the third week we were down to a 20 and that's the 20 wow. that I ended our school with. Yeah. A uh, bunch of people get into it for like I was saying, uh, the, 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 the shock value. Oh my God, yes. I get to work with dead bodies, this and that. And those people never end up lasting because that gets old really fast. <laughs> yes, I bet. You know? I bet. Um, well, in in the social work, it's the same thing. I mean, when you're getting into the nitty gritty and they're talking about suicide assessments and, you know, eating disorders and hallucinations and heroin overdoses, it's like the strong are the ones that remain and the ones that can kind of hang with that. Like, of course, culture. of course. So, you, yeah, you kind of prove to yourself and your, you know, your father, I bet that you could. I mean, it's a it's an empowering feeling, I bet, isn't it? Of course. And, and again, uh, almost the same thing like I was saying with my mother. I was almost too young to actually even realize like, what going to school for this meant. I was in the age where 
this is college. This is just what you do. I had a lot of people that were a lot older, you know, in their 30s, a second, third career uh, even. Um, yeah. To me, it was just, this is school. Part of it, so, you know. Yeah. So what's the job placement like? Do you get on like a national registry and you just start looking for jobs? Uh, what's funny is if we would have had this conversation about when I graduated about 12 years ago, we would have two different types of conversations. The difference between then and now is the corporations have bought up so many of the funeral homes that you can go to their website and literally see what's open and that's how you would apply. Whereas when I graduated 12 years ago, I remember typing up my resume, printing it, and going door to door to each funeral home, dropping my resume off. Wow. And eventually I got a call back and I did that way. It is, it's... It's tough depending on where you are. If you're in a small town, uh, you know, you, you might live in a town where there's one funeral home, you know, yeah. and bigger cities obviously have more and more and so forth. A funeral home, there's always a job opening. It just depends on where, you know. <clears throat> right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, now, that's how I would say that. To break into, I don't want to, uh, basically the business model of a funeral home, you had mentioned that it's really getting corporate. Mm -hmm. So would you say, let's say your funeral home, for example, give me a tip. Who were, how many employees do you have? So we have two owners who are funeral directors. And then we have two funeral directors that like me, we, we are not owners. We are just funeral directors and we have an intern. Okay. So that puts us at about <laughs> four, four licensed funeral directors okay. and one intern, meaning he is, uh, uh, finishing his year to get his license. He's not yep. licensed yet. Yep. Uh, and then I'd say we have about somewhere between five to 10 staff members and they come in based on how busy we are. If we have two funerals tomorrow, you know, maybe f eight, eight of them will come in. If we have three funerals, you know, it's all hands on deck. If we have nothing going on, you know, maybe just one will come in just to sort of answer phones. Um, and that's how that's that's how usually you know the, the funeral directors usually depending on what your days off or anything. When I say they come in every day, I mean they come in for their five days of the week. Okay. Um, yeah. Whereas the the staff is maybe more. Uh, how do I say by committee? If I if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. So um, my question now is: Are there any family-owned funeral homes left? Interestingly enough, it is so rare that uh, let me ask, let me say this. Yes, because the corporation funeral homes eventually end up at a monopoly, so they cannot buy all the funeral homes within a certain area. Although they could yes. buy most. Mm -hmm. uh, ironically, I do work for a family-owned funeral home uh, in South Florida, and there are still they're 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 going down. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're less and less in number, you know, by the day, but there are still family funeral homes and thriving. Um, but you know, eventually we're going to come to a, uh, you know, uh, let me just say like the pharmacies. I imagine back in the day, you know, you had your local pharmacy. I don't know how it is wherever you are or the listener where you are, but you know, you kind of can't go 10, <laughs> 10 blocks without running into a CVS or Walgreens or whatever. Sure. I think funeral service is definitely heading that same way. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, so my next question is, do you see any trends or patterns with deaths? So do you see like <clears throat> opi opioid overdose 
times of the year or drunk driving times of the year or any kind of patterns with death? For the most part, and this is non-scientific because I'm going based on feel of 12 years, which I still feel like I'm still, you know, I still feel like I'm in the new, I'm putting quotes around, I'm still new to the business despite having 12 years. Um, So I've seen enough within the 12 years. I still think I need a larger sample size. That being said, there is no rhyme or reason to the specific time of the year where a particular death spikes. For most of my career, January always held the highest amount of deaths. Not a particular death, meaning cancer or heart disease or anything. It just always seems like there was a spike in in January. Why? Why I always point I and just talking with other funeral directors and families, um, people hold on for the holidays, and yes. anyone who is, I don't you know close to to going to dying sort of holds on. But you know while that spike in January deaths come, there's also a lot of your just normal deaths. You know, yeah. uh, a, a normal death is is uh, one of the four. It's a um, natural, accidental, suicide, homicide. Okay. When uh, when someone dies, they die. That's the four. Oh God, modes or manners of death. Ooh, I should know this. Anyway, that is <laughs> you know. So those four deaths w- still happen regardless. But even those, there's a spike. You know. Um, yeah. Currently, currently, and we are in May of 2018. I have to say there is such a spike in the past year of you said it the right way before and I'm going to mess it up opioid yes there's such a spike and it's so cuz a lot of them are close to my age I am 32 years old it is shocking Isn't it, it is something? really I don't you, I don't know if I'm saying the right word but is I feel like it's an epidemic it is so hard Well I think you know our president thinks there is an epidemic so you know <laughs> <laughs> So I mean it's interesting it really is so I'm interesting I asked too because <clears throat> I don't know I, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about I don't know if they said 65% of the it was a it was a funeral home talking about mm-hmm. 65% maybe of the the recent deaths were that so it, it makes yeah. sense I mean the, the the deaths that stick out in my head in the past of, of 2018 so far is all the, the, the I call them kids because 32 years old, we're still kids, closer to, you know, kids close to my age. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and it's all, it's all the same, you know, yeah. same area. So on that note, so, you know, I'm going to ask you basically what's the most rewarding part of the job and what's the toughest part of the job. So on the sad note, what's the toughest part of this gig? Oh, that's interesting. You know, to to to, to draw out my answer, I used to work used to work a job and I'm if I don't know if many people knows that this exists. I used to work a job, we would call it a trade funeral director, meaning I didn't work for one funeral home. I worked for a bunch of funeral homes. And basically, I would be on call sort of like a doctor, although paid nowhere near a doctor. If a funeral home got a call, you call the, you know, you call Smith Funeral Home and they say, my, 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 my mom just died. The funeral home will go, okay. They take down your information and then they would call me to come take your loved one, you know, to the funeral home, do the embalming and whatnot. That was an on-call job. So if mom died at 3 a.m. in the morning, I was getting up at 3 a.m. Yeah. Uh, 
if there was nothing going on, meaning there was no deaths happening, I was just sort of sitting home. So that part of it was having no schedule. I was younger, so I was able to do that. Now I work, now I work a lot more rigid schedule, meaning I work, you know, nine to five and I don't take my work home with me, meaning I don't get called at night. I don't have to go out in the middle of night and whatnot. The toughest part of the job is sometimes, oh, how do I say, you know the family is grieving, you know they're taking the death hard, and you're not able to reason with them in terms of, I'm here to help you, I'm not here to upcharge you, I'm not here to sell you, I'm not here to trick you on anything. You know, the same price it is for you is the same price it is for the family next door and next week. Yeah. Sometimes it can be tricky. I don't know if sometimes... Well, you know, you're mm -hmm. in this dual role where you're kind of supposed to, you know, you have to be compassionate and understanding, but you're also selling a product, right? Kind of? Yes. And I've always, I've always, I stick to my guns of, I would rather you, the customer, be happy <clears throat> and feel confident in what you are, what we end up with at the end of the day, than me walking away making a quote-unquote big sale right. i am also not an owner so maybe my yes. my thought process changes if i was more concerned about money yeah. my my current care is is that family satisfied with the funeral of their loved one yeah so you're you care about that that's cool as an employee too i mean you know right typically owners have that but that's great i mean because you have a license too and you have a this is mm -hmm. your craft and your trade mm -hmm. so um okay so what's the most rewarding part of the job most the most rewarding part and <clears throat> when i say this i could understand why some people would kind of turn their head i enjoy embalming i i i i would like to think i'm good at it and i've been doing it for a while and that is sort of my specialty when i say that i mean you know, there are funeral directors out there who only meet with families to, to do arrangements, to do funerals, and they never embalm. I am, I am lucky and I'm fortunate enough to do both. I say that to say when a family is adamant, we do not want to see, we don't want to see mom. She never wanted a visitation or nothing like that. And, you know, we do something where we sort of call an ID, where we understand you don't want a big visitation, but we do need you to see him, you see your loved one one more time to, to verify that that's her, that's him or her. And when they see their loved one, they are so almost taken aback at how much better they look. Wow. And it's, you know, if you're, if, I want to say if you're fortunate enough to go through a death because there is, you know, you, you learn a lot about yourself in the process. And I do believe it makes you stronger. If you're lucky enough to have gone through a death and, you know, come out of it positively on the other end, there's something about seeing a love, you know, a loved one and walking away with a positive uh, image, if I could say. Yeah. I can imagine it does a lot of damage if the person does not, you know, it's not what what you're expecting. Um, when 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 they come out and they are, I could tell a a difference between a thank you and a thank you. Wow. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, 
that's that's and it is it comes in you know it comes as quick as the compliment comes it also goes as fat you know goes that quickly but it does make me feel like i put my worth in well and i mean you are so the embalming process itself is that like the science of it and the actual physicality of embalming is that do you you get gratification from that too Yes, in terms of the end product. Uh, um, you know, if we have a difficult case and we are able, the person just looks a lot better afterwards. There, there's a satis- there, there is a satisfaction in that. There is, uh, uh, you don't get to see the end product until the person is, let's say, in the casket. And there's a lot of hands involved, too, because there's dressing, there's cosmetics, there's uh, what casket they go in, what room are they in. Uh, if, if you're ever at a funeral home and you're able to think outside for a little bit, look at the lighting in a funeral home. Lighting plays such a huge factor, and that's stuff most people would never think about. Um, yes, in the, in the end, yes, there, there's, a, there's a great satisfaction from start to finish and seeing that. Yeah, I can't even imagine I can't even imagine. That's so awesome. So on that note, do you ever have Mm -hmm. compassion fatigue? And do you know what I mean when I say that? I, if I, if I could understand your, your compassion fatigue. It's basically being mm -hmm. fatigued from providing compassion. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have that? I, I want to say I am fortunate enough where I don't really and I imagine a lot of funeral directors are like me in what I'm saying in that, you know, if I met with two families today, I don't know either of those families' loved one. Right. Our job, my job, is to make sure, you know, all your wishes and everything you want to happen, I'm there to make sure it gets done. And I don't say that to sound cold, but I say compassion in terms of very sorry let me help you get through this, but ha- there's only so much compassion I can have towards someone. Without, and, and it would sound, it would feel cheap as well. You know, I don't okay. really know your loved one, but I could still care and help you as if I did. Okay. So it sounds um, like you don't mm-hmm. experience compassion fatigue. <laughs> I, I guess to answer your question, <laughs> you just no. did, <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, some don't. Some people don't. And so, let me say this: the people who do, they unfortunately, while they may be great emotional people, and and that term doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth, they usually do not last long because that is too much for yes. I believe too much for one person, you know, to, to right. bear on their shoulders. Have you ever had a colleague or a co coworker or someone in the industry that you could see was like crispy burned out because of their compassion fatigue they never took care of? I I, I will alter your question or, or your your statement with saying you gotta have thick skin. Right. Meaning this the same way I was saying before, a family will think you're you're pulling their chain and they're 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 grieving more than they are thinking you're 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 trying to twist them or, or anything you have to have thick skin to 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 deal with the families and know that what they say to not take it personal i actually wow. kind of think that goes for any industry sure so i have i definitely do see co-workers where sometimes they are unable to take the comment and say 
huh, poor family, and walk away and yeah. instead of actually take the comment to heart. I do see that okay. often. Yeah. But so, compassion fatigue, yeah. not, not so much. Okay. Yeah, well, that's interesting. That's. Do you have any colleagues or coworkers that you can talk to? Because it is a confidential environment, do you, you know, go out for a beer after or go to conferences together? Or is there like a networking of funeral directors? You know, it always ends up more talking about the work, the workplace in terms of, uh, uh, yeah, um, I get to embalm more. I get to take work with families more. Really talking about the families or, 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 or you know, the deceased. Uh, there's not much there, I have to say. It's more talking probably about the industry and the place you work more than it ever is talking about, you know, your actual work, let's say. Yeah. I will say sometimes... And it's more happens, you know, with younger people. It's more like, oh, crazy, huh? Yeah. And, and it's not like we're not we're not talking, you know, we're not talking about the the. We just kind of understand when you just it's just shot. If you see anyone, when I say on the table, I kind of mean in the embalming room. You see anyone kind of under sixty. There's kind of a hmm, you know, and your mind will go somewhere. As quick as that thought comes in is as quick as it goes out. I see. I see. Would you say that your colleagues and uh, professionals in the trade are men or women or a mix? You know, in, I'm going to tell a quick story. When I started in mortuary school about uh, 14 years ago, I want to say we were 75, 25 men. I recently just took a class to do continuing education. Yes. Uh, it was an embalming seminar. And I almost want to say that classroom was 70, 25, women to men. Really? There is a lot more women than there is. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. I imagine it's closer to 50-50 than it has ever been. Wow. The place where I, just for an example, the place where I work, there is two licensed women and two licensed men. Interesting. Um, I thought it yeah. was. I don't know why I thought it was mostly men. I don't know why I thought I, that. I, I imagine it was for the longest time, and here we are today. There's, there's, all, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot more women. Yeah, and social work. It's typically women, and now it's trending to more men becoming part of that trade. So I bet the pendulum swings, and here we are. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Well, you know. I appreciate you taking your time today. It's always a pleasure, you know, getting inside someone's head that does something that I don't have any idea what they do. So um, it was it was cool to talk to you. Uh, I I enjoy enlightening people because I imagine if you are listening to this, there are things about the funeral industry that you may have never thought of. And I if, if I can enlighten people just a little bit, I'm proud of that. So my last question is, when you said that you never wanted to talk about this, but now you want to talk about it a lot more, why is that, do you think? I am someone who used to, you know, if, if I didn't want to really open up a discussion with someone, I would lie about what I did oh, because wow. I, would get, I would get the questions. And, you know, the reason why... I was so open with you is because I knew you were not going to ask anything that was out distasteful. Right. Okay. I don't have that same trust with everyone. I see. So sometimes if, if, and you know, let, let me, if I wanted to sound smart and talk about something that most people don't know, I would definitely open, you know, let that conversation go. Uh, um, 
and welcome it. Whereas for the most part, people tend to, <sighs> their mind is sometimes in the weird place. And I usually don't mind answering it, but over time, it's just kind of, I'd rather just say I work at a bank and there's nothing wrong with working at a bank, but most people don't have questions for you <laughs> sure. if you say you work at yes. a bank. And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, it was a very, oh, okay. And no one would kind of move on. Right. Uh, and I went from there to getting the satisfaction of enlightening people about the industry. Okay. So... That's why I mean, like, I, I used to lie, and, and if I didn't want to talk about it, I would say uh, I work at a bank, whereas now, if I want to encourage and talk about conversation, I'll, I will, you know, say what I do. Interesting. That's cool. It's probably just maturity and age and, um, you know, knowledge of the industry as yeah, well. For sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Right. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, and um, thank you so much. Of course, you're welcome. Thank you.